Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. We're going to continue on in our uh, current series at the cross. Pastor Amy is is going to bring the word this morning. Welcome to the stage, Pastor Amy. Well, thank you. Yeah. Am I standing in the allowable spot? Can't see you if I'm not. You'll have to yell at me. Good morning, everybody. Such a beautiful, snowy morning. <laughs> I think it's you uh, sledders that probably prayed for like one more opportunity to go out somewhere. No? I don't know what you're called. Your skidoo things. It's you, I know. I know it's you guys. Oh, I'm excited to speak to you today. Um, I feel like God has put, put something on my heart as we've been preparing over the last few weeks for the, the series at the cross. And so um, it's just pretty simple, but I want to share, share with you this morning. And, um, but first, let's just talk about the great weekend. Up until this morning, still a little bitter about looking out the window. But I just felt like, you know... The weekend was such a gift to me because the winter felt long and hard, even though it wasn't the worst we ever had, but just the sunshine and the opportunity to be outside, like all week it just kind of felt like I, I got to be outside and I got to enjoy just the different kind of things. And so the moments in spring are just such a, such a gift and so it felt great and then the babies are being born on the farm and so there's this cute little calf born and they're they're just so cute and I don't know what it is though like all of a sudden they're not cute anymore they're cute to me and then they're a cow and they're they're not cute anymore I mean there's something about them their eyelashes are kind of pretty I look at them and I'm like oh look they're so pretty but it's like their size and their newness and their cuteness that I like about the animals and you know some of you had the the opportunity to hold little chicks at Easter if you were here on Sunday, the little chicks that are born. But I got to tell you, within a couple of like days and weeks, they're just chickens. They're not cute. They start growing their feathers, and then they're chickens. They're not as cute and fluffy anymore. And we had a foal born, and she's really cute and sweet. And so we go out there and try to get her used to us and... Um, She's real. Her name is Dolly because we kind of have a country theme going on with some of the names of the horses. So we have George and Hank and um, Johnny and Cash. So Dolly seemed fitting, right? You can figure out why. And she's so sweet. So maybe one day you guys will have a chance to come and see her. And there's going to be kittens soon. Always kittens always kittens. There's swans on the field, and the, the birds are singing, and the geese, and, and the smells of spring, and we were, we've gone for a horse ride, and we went quadding, and then as we're quadding, it just felt like free, you know, and, and we'd be quadding, and you could feel this warm pocket of air, and then this cold pocket of air. It just felt good to be alive just felt incredible and then we were in the trails and there was snow and ice and then peeking up was like some green grass it felt so hopeful 
the green is coming. And sometimes as we drive down the river valley, I'll be like, you guys, do you see? Do you see the little hint of green? You guys. And my kids are like, mom, happens every year. We know the green is coming, and we know it changes, and, but it's just so hopeful. So I just love, I love this time of year. But, uh, okay, one more thing. At the end of that awesome day on Saturday, the northern lights. Some of you don't stay up late enough, and you don't have teenagers to make you stay up late enough or get you outside. So you could check out my pictures. But the northern lights were incredible, and it just reminds you that life is amazing. And there's just things to marvel about and wonder about. And I just really believe that God wants us to enjoy life. And if you read the Bible, I believe that you'll see it. He designed it. He designed for us to live a full, amazing, incredible life full of wonder and beauty and awe. He really wants us to live a full life. It's, it's the devil that doesn't want us to live a full life. John 10.10 10 says that the thief has come only to kill and steal and destroy, but I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly, more and better life than they even imagined, the message translation says, more abundantly, abundant life. And do you ever just have that longing for more, like more life, more abundant life? Like I, I have everything I need. I have everything I want. Have you ever just felt like this longing for more? You know, you know, nothing's wrong. Maybe there's no struggles. Nothing's wrong. But there, there is sometimes this desire for more. And the paradox we have as Christians, people people that believe in Jesus, is we actually don't go from life to life. We go from death to life. And I want you to follow me on that today. Because to truly live, we have to die. We have to die to self. We have to die to flesh. To die to the world. We have to lose our life to gain it. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. And the title of the message in our series, At the Cross, is called Take Up Your Cross. I want to review our memory verse today. How many of you guys have been working on your memory verse at home? Any little people working on it? Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. For I have been crucified with Christ... And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've been crucified with Christ so that I no longer live. And that word, if you look up that word in the original language, um, it means, well, it means crucified. But we don't really... We don't really live in a world where, where people are dying that way. Um, but when, when Galatians is talking about it, in that time in history, they really understood what that means. And it actually, it means I crucify together. It's this togetherness uh, to impale in company with. We're not just alone 
in this thing. It's a togetherness. It denotes a union, a participation, community, fellowship, and association with Jesus. He laid down his life for us. We are, we're together, but, but much closer is really what the word meant. And so it's us identifying with Jesus in the closest way possible. In order for us to live, we must die. And I want to show you this in Mark chapter 8 today. I'm going to read out of the living, New Living Translation. So you could pull out your Generations Church app and read in the Bible there, or your Version app in the New Living Translation. And um, so just for some context, in Mark chapter 8, um, Jesus is walking along with the disciples, and he takes them to Caesarea Philippi. And as I understand this, this would have been a place that was a pretty big deal. You know, it, was, it would have been a pretty big deal to go to a place like this. It would have been maybe like uh, Times Square, somewhere where there was a lot of a lot of the world represented. Pagan worship. It's in the middle of everything that that the disciples and the people would have thought they wanted. You know, everything. Everything represented there that you could think, yeah, I want, I want that stuff. It would satisfy me. And so he takes them there, and, and Jesus is questioning them. And so I'm going to start in verse 28. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee, went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, who do people say I am? Who do people say I am? I am. So he's, he's talking to the disciples, and he's saying, what are people saying about me? What are people saying about me? What are people saying about me? And they replied, I guess that wasn't verse 28 maybe. Are we in verse 28 now? So that was the verse above. Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist some say Elijah, and others say you're one of the prophets. He says, but who do you say I am? And you know, there's a lot of ideas about what it looks like to follow Jesus, especially today, don't you think? There's a lot of ideas. There's a lot of, a lot of thoughts. There's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of different ways that people might think yeah, this is, this is how it works to follow Jesus. But, but what's important today is what about you? What about you? What do you say? What do you say? Who do you say I am? Jesus is asking. And Peter answered correctly. Peter replied, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ, another version says. He says the Messiah, the Christ. That word literally means the anointed one. The one that breaks the yoke of bondage. The one that's going to set us free. It's a power word. It's not just a name. He's not just naming Jesus. He's saying, you're going to do the things that we need you to do. We need you to come and fix our situation. We've got political drama going on. And you're going to do those things because you're the Christ. I don't know if you're used to living in a world of political drama. Pause for effect. 
you're the Messiah. So it's not, it's not just the name, but it's about what he's describing, what he wants them to do. And Jesus isn't quite ready for them to tell everyone yet. And so he says, in verse 30 it says, But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. In verse 31, Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He'd be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead where good news hangs, right? At the cross. It wasn't finished. He rose again. But you know, that's, that's not the Jesus that these guys signed up for. He's telling them the stuff, and they're like, no, 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 no. We don't want you to die. They wanted him to overthrow the Roman government. They wanted him to do the things they wanted him to do. The things they thought in their mind was important for their now and the things they could see. And they were probably thinking, you know, once you overthrow the, the Roman government, we're going to become pretty important. And we get to rule and reign with you here. So this doesn't sound very cool, Jesus. Suffering? No. Verse 32, as he talked about this openly with the disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. I don't know about you, but I, I do like this kind of relationship that Peter had with Jesus because I believe that, that God does want us to get to talk to him. You know, Jesus, the relationship he wants with us is one that we can lean in. I've had conversations with the Lord where I'm like, I don't like that. I don't like what you're asking me to do. I don't like what I'm hearing from you. Ultimately, I get to choose and decide, am I going to obey? But I do have conversations that might sound a little bit like Peter. I don't know that I want the word reprimand to be said of me talking to Jesus, like it says here. But he's okay if we talk to him. Maybe a little bit like, are you sure about that, Lord? Jesus turned around, verse 33, and looked at his disciples, then reprimanded Peter. Oh, are you okay with it going both ways in your relationship with the Lord? Huh. Get away from me, Satan, he said. Pay attention here. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. And I think we need to be reminded that as human beings, we don't always have in mind the things of God. You know, Jesus is saying, hey, Peter, you turned worldly on me here. You're seeing things through your lens. You're seeing it through the lens of culture. You're seeing it through the lens of preference, through the eyes of men. And let me just explain it to you here. It's not always easy to follow me. And so, hey, Peter, maybe there's a little confusion in what it means to be a follower of Jesus, a follower of me. And so in verse 34, this stood out to me because Jesus is like, oh, I wonder if everybody's a little confused here. So, hey, guys, everybody come closer. 
not just the disciples, he called the crowd. I think you should all hear this, and I believe that today all of you in this room need to hear this, and maybe all of your friends need to hear this, because Jesus is calling everybody at this point. Verse 34, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, because this isn't just a word for then, it's a now word. It can come alive to us today because God's word is living and active, and he's speaking to us today. And he said, if any of you, just wait, you might not want to hear this. That's the part. Come close, but wait, you, don't, you might not want it. That's the warning I'm giving you. It's for all of us, but you might not want it. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. It's not a necklace we wear, guys. It's not just a pretty sign on a church building. He's, he's calling us to take up our cross to identify with him in everything. It, it, it literally meant that you're going to die, not, not just not a physical death for all of us. In Bible times, they understood the cross so much more than we do today, but it really was about laying down your life. And so, in verse 35... He goes on, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, for the sake of the gospel, you will save it. You'll find it. This is so countercultural. It's such a paradox. And it would have been in Bible times too. It's not just crazy now. It would have been crazy then too. It's not easy to hear that in order to find our lives, we have to lose it. Why? Because we believe in self-preservation. We're taught, make time for me. Put myself first. Fight for self-promotion. Make a brand for yourself. Make sure you have followers. Count how many. Self-indulgent. If it's there, I deserve it. It's all about me. Sigmund Freud believed that the goal of life was all about pleasure. The Bible shows us that the goal of life is all about purpose. It's not about pleasure. Culture is lying to us. And have any of these things actually brought anybody life? No. We don't see people being brought to life, chasing their pleasures. We see people dying. Not a literal death, a spiritual death, a soul death, an emotional death. Verse 36, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And let me ask you, what would you give in exchange for your soul? At the end of it all, at the end of life, what would you give? Is anything worth more than your soul? No, you'd give everything. You would give absolutely everything. So why not give everything now? Why wait? Why would we wait? 
If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of the Father with the holy angels. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. This verse stood out to me so much when I was a young adult. Just the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Like, I am actually pretty ashamed that I'm a Christian. I'm embarrassed. I don't want my friends to find out. You know, that's actually why baptism is so important. Because it's saying, I want to identify with Jesus. I'm okay with the choice that I've made to follow him. It's like, how would Travis feel... If I left the house to go to Keddie's, but I took, that's where I go these days, you guys. (laughs) If I had to go to Keddie's, but I made sure I took off my wedding ring, because what if some cute cowboy was going to be there? Just leave my ring off to the side. I'm 42. Life is so interesting. (laughs) There's not a lot of places you can go these days, okay? You know, it's identifying with Jesus, Baptism, there's so much more to it, but that's one of the great things. It's about identifying with him, his death, his resurrection. We're not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for the salvation of those who believe. When we lay our life down for Jesus, we find life. So our takeaway is we find We find life. He's calling us to a higher place, not to put us down, not to to just stomp on us, but to give us the life we always wanted. I want us to take away today that there can't be a resurrection if there's not a death. There can't be a resurrection if there's not a death. He wants to give us a resurrected life. There has to be a death. The goal is abundant life. Your marriage, your finances, your future, your hopes, your dreams, your purpose. The goal is for you to literally come alive in Jesus. And again, people are not, we don't see people going, you know, from from death to life. We see them going from life to death. They're not dying to themselves and then becoming alive. They're living for themselves and then dying. Think about that. I want to look back at verse 34. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. In the NASB, it says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross. So there is this choice. And Jesus is telling everybody, you're going to be faced with a choice. And it's interesting to me that as he's saying this, he hasn't hasn't, uh, died. He's saying, you know, he's saying, are you willing to, to join him on the cross? Are we willing to say like he did, not my will but yours be done? Are we willing to deny ourselves? That word deny is like, 
in the, in the Greek, it means to utterly disown and not associate with any more. Have no acquaintance or connection with. And so I want to give two points as I wrap it up. But this cutting off and, and what we need to die to, we need to die to ourself and we need to die to our flesh. So this denying, this cutting off is like we're disowning, we're cutting off and not acquainting ourselves with anymore. And then when we follow him, that word means like we're cleaving to him steadfastly. We're so attached to Jesus. We're conformed wholly to him in living and in dying to be in the same way with him. So, yeah, he... He died for us. He loved us so much. But are we willing to follow him, that we're willing to die to some things to accompany him? Are we willing to lay aside our dreams, lay aside our wishes, lay aside ourselves, and make the choice to follow him? In all the things, not just the one choice, not just the one time you prayed the prayer, but every day. And so to follow Jesus is a call to die to self. For I've been crucified with Christ so that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Paul, writing this in Galatians, is still alive. He's not physically dead. He's still alive. He's dying to self. Not death in the body, death to self. And so if you really want to live well, a resurrected life, if you want to experience the best that God has for you, you need to have moments every day where you say, God, you can have me. I, I lay myself aside. John 3, verse 30, he must become greater. I must become less. Less of him and more of me. And I don't think it's a quick fix. It's not a solution. But like I said, it's not just a one-time prayer. Your one-time prayer of accepting Jesus, making him the Lord of your life, the boss of your life, you're going to make it to heaven. But there's so much more. There's so much more to following Jesus. There's an every day. And there's an every day dying to self. It makes for such a full, abundant life. Less of him and more of me. And I believe that as we, as we spend time with Jesus, as we walk with him, as we pray, and as we worship, and as we allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us, we can do those things. That's how we do the things. We allow the word of God to wash us and, and renew our mind. Less of him, more of me. Are we willing to let those selfish parts die? The part of me that, that doesn't want to do what's right. You know, when, maybe when we're fighting with our sibling, because they're just being so rude. That's the part of me that has to die. Like, I'm just going to prefer you right now. Even though you're being awful, I'm going to let the fruit of the Spirit operate in my life. And I am going to be patient when my husband is being difficult, I'm going to choose to love. But he's not difficult. I'm just using that as an example. Because he's very easygoing. You can tell. <laughs> I 
I love him so much. The people in our life shape us, build character in us. It's good. We need community so we can become more like Jesus. Right? But a dying to self, maybe I don't want to get up in the morning. I have to die to myself. Maybe I've made a choice to set that alarm a little earlier so I can spend time with the Lord, but oh, I got to die to myself and, and just get up and lose some sleep or, you know, whatever those choices are for you, you know what the Holy Spirit's asking you to do. Let prayer be a part of your life. It's not just the moment of salvation. I offer up my body as a living sacrifice. And to follow Jesus is a call to die to flesh. Galatians 5.17. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. Galatians 5.24. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We have to crucify the flesh. It's got, it's got things that kind of want to come up that are just in conflict with the spirit in our life. Colossians 3.5, put to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. If you just read the scripture, the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you and point out a few things that maybe need to die in your life. You know, before I read the Bible, I had an idea of some of the things, because the Holy Spirit still speaks to us. But once I started reading the Bible at 18 years old, I was like, ah, I'm out of line on a few things here, and i got to make a choice. Ah, some things have to go. We've got to decide how much of the world we're going to allow into our life. Maybe you're watching stuff, listening to stuff. There's places you go, or there's people you've allowed into your life. 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. That sinful nature has to be crucified every day. Some things just have to be put to death. And we have to make a complete separation. That, that word deny becomes so important. Like, I don't associate anymore with those things. I just disown them. I cut them off. I, I can't even be in the presence of them anymore because they're dead to me. I'll just tell you a little story as we finish. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I know this is silly, but I'll just say it again, and you've heard this, but when I decided to really truly follow Jesus, I had to get rid of my country music CDs. I don't know how this generation is ever going to be able to die to their flesh if, if they have Apple Music. Like, what are they going to do? Just click undownload one day? You know, I didn't listen to bad music, but for me, it was like, I don't want to associate with the memories of my past life. Because there was sin and there was wrong thinking, and I wanted to make a cut to follow Jesus. And so I don't think I burned them or anything, but I just, there were things that I was done with. There were places I didn't want to go. There were um, people I didn't want to associate with anymore, not because I think you shouldn't have non-Christian friends, but there were just things I couldn't do anymore and places I couldn't go anymore. Sometimes we have to put some things to death. 
And some of you kids growing up in the church, you're not going to have the, the same kind of testimony and the same kind of story that, that maybe someone like me does, but you're absolutely going to have to die to your flesh and die to yourself every day. And what a testimony that is to be able to say, yeah, it was hard, but thank God for the Holy Spirit and thank God for Jesus and walking with him and what he saved me from so I didn't have the heartache and the pain. Walk in the Spirit. We need to build ourselves up. We need to pray. Jude 20, pray every day. Build yourselves up in your most, most holy faith and pray in the Spirit. We need the breath of God in us in order to die to these things so that we can re live a resurrected life. We need to worship. We need to fill our ears, our car, our home with worship. We need to fill our mind with the word of God. So if you don't have any habits, maybe you want to start with the first 15, where your first 15 minutes of your day are going to be five minutes of prayer, five minutes of worship, five minutes of the word. It's a great place to start. Because when you decide to follow Jesus for the first time, he might ask you to leave some things behind. But if you really want to follow Jesus every day, you're going to have to die to yourself and crucify the sinful nature of the flesh. So you can't have a resurrection without a death. So let's just pray. God, I thank you for your word that's alive, living, active, powerful. Pray that your word would just change our hearts today, God, that you would speak to us, that you would cause life in our spirits today that you would speak to us Lord and if there's any areas that need to be put to death that your Holy Spirit would do its work in our heart this morning God that you would draw us to you in Jesus name Amen Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church if you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.